Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On this podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good. And my mission is to give you the simple tools and practices to get there. Let's get started. Before we get started, I have two invitations for you. First, the deadline for my Eat Your Way to Health group coaching program has been extended until October 16th of 2020. And thanks to a Michigan Small Business Restart grant, you can apply for a scholarship for this program. The program is for women who are facing or are already in burnout in mission-driven work to make the world a better place, whether that's outside the home, from home, or inside the home. This program is for everybody. It's not about weight loss unless you want it to be. It's about loving the body you're in and bringing it back from burnout, meeting your own obligations, and doing your best work in the world. I recognize that historic economic inequality exists, and it's particularly oppressive for uh, marginalized women. And I know that health coaching is often viewed as a high-end, prohibitively expensive offering. One of my missions in life is to change that perception and the reality. I especially encourage all of my sisters who identify as Black, Indigenous, and people of color, or as part of any other marginalized group, to reach out now to see whether the program is a good fit, whether you think you have the resources to pay for it or not. If you've ever considered health coaching, and it seems like more and more women are in these times of plague and chaos, now is the time to apply for the program, and if you need it, for a scholarship as well. The deadline to apply has been extended until October 16th, 2020, and the link to the application is in the show notes. And second, the next Foundations of Wellness for Women virtual workshop is coming up on Friday, October 16th as well. The topic this time is your mindset, asset or liability. You can find the registration link in the show notes. In integrative nutrition, the foods we put in our mouths are considered secondary to everything else in our lives that nourishes us or doesn't, because very often our relationship to our secondary foods is a reflection of some sort of disharmony in a primary food. For example, if you hate your job and your boss is a jerk and your coworkers drive you crazy, you are much more likely to stand in front of the freezer after work and empty a pint of Ben and Jerry's than is someone whose career is completely fulfilling. Primary foods include relationships, career, spiritual practice, physical activity, time in nature, sleep. The list really is endless. And today we're going to focus on physical activity and exercise. According to my friend, fitness coach Casey Lee, exercise is defined as activity requiring physical effort in order to improve health. Simply put, Exercise gives you good feelings and increases the body and mind's ability to function. I love that definition. You can read more from Casey in a guest post she wrote for my blog and also on her own website and podcast. The links for both of those are in the show notes. We all know that exercise is good for our physical bodies, and it's been shown to be good for our minds and our emotions as well. 
Even 30 minutes per day can change brain chemistry and improve mood. But just as with diet, the information about exercise seems to be conflicting. We should emphasize cardio. No, strength training. That's the way to go. Now, don't forget about balance. But wait, what about flexibility? How much exercise do we need? From zero to 100 on the spectrum. (laughs) Three times a week is plenty. Every other day. Daily. How about intensity level? You guessed it, all over the map. Just park farther from the office or bus stop. A gentle walk around the block. Just take the stairs at work. 20 minutes at 80% of your maximum heart rate until you're gargling your heart, until you can do a triathlon without breaking a sweat. Are you confused yet? My job as a health coach is not to tell you what the best workout is. And I urge you to steer clear of anyone who says, that they have the one workout to end all workouts. That's for you to experiment with. If you decide to go the route of hiring a personal trainer, my advice is to make sure that the trainer is keeping in mind what workout is not only the best, but the best for you. She will keep in mind your body type, age, medical history, your personal fitness goals, And she will not try to convince you that something is right because, quote, this is the workout that fill in the athlete, rock star, model, superhero uses to look fabulous. A good routine will involve some cardio, some strength training, some flexibility, and some balance work. And here I want to note that if you're currently experiencing burnout, please speak to someone who understands that condition. You can eventually get back to your high-intensity interval training and your marathon training and whatever else it is that you're trying to achieve physically. And now may not be the time to train intensely. So what's the difference between exercise and physical activity? I think of physical activity as exercise with less emphasis on it being a particular activity for the specific reason of improving your health. In other words, to me, physical activity is more functional. You're still moving your body and you're reaping the health benefits of moving your body. And you're not having to carve out time in your day or invest in special equipment or expensive memberships. I'm a firm believer that we don't multitask well even though many of us think we do. And for me, physical activity is a form of what I call intentional multitasking. I also really hate the concept of hacking, of hacks. To me, that smacks of silver bullets and quick fixes. And I do think that physical activity may well be the exception to this. So for example, do you need to visit with your girlfriends? Why not walk and talk instead of meeting for a glass of wine? Need to network? Try networking instead of networking over coffee. Got a virtual meeting for which you don't need to take notes? Put on your earbuds, head out the door. Want to spend time with the family? Go out and rake leaves together. Going somewhere by car? Park farther away and walk the rest of the way. Need to get to the top floor? Take the stairs instead of the elevator. Do you like to watch TV at night? Commit to walking in place rather than sitting on the couch 
or doing sit-ups, push-ups, or other strength training exercises during the commercials, or alternate strength with balance and stretching during commercials. Goddess knows there are enough commercial breaks on television. If you stream shows without commercials, then commit to moving your body for five or 10 minutes between episodes. <laughs> when my kids were really little, we would have what we called Lord of the Rings marathons, and we would watch all of the extended movies <laughs> one after the other. That's a lot of movie watching. And the only way I would agree to do that with them over Christmas break or something would be if they would get up in between discs and run around the house a few times. I work with a lot of women who claim they don't like to exercise, or they think they don't have the time, the equipment, the financial resources, the skills, the knowledge. I even had one client who told me in our first session, don't even think about telling me to go to the gym because that's not going to happen. Fine, I said, I can work with that. For whatever reason, a lot of us have it in our heads that we don't like to move our bodies, or that it's difficult, or boring, or expensive, or time-consuming. And I think what we actually have is a lot of mental barriers to exercise, not necessarily to physical activity. I've also identified two major blocks, and these apply not just to physical activity, these two expressions are huge triggers for me, and if you work with me as a client, you know I will call you out on these if I ever hear them coming out of your mouth. The two expressions are, I should, and I used to. And I want to talk a little bit about why that is. Should is dangerous because it very often points out expectations that others place on us, or that we project others are imposing on us. And expectations that go unmet are really just resentments waiting to happen. Should is often a good indicator that we are comparing ourselves to someone else's perceived standard, one that is not suited to our own uniqueness. So frankly, I like to say that should is just another dirty word that starts with sh. You're, you've probably heard about the epidemic of, quote unquote, compare and despair that social media can trigger. We look at others' feeds and we think we don't measure up. And we don't think about the fact that most of what people are posting on social media are just the good parts of their lives. Very few people are completely authentic in what they're posting. But someone else we often unknowingly compare ourselves to is our younger selves. Have you ever thought after doing a race, well, of course she beat me, she's 30 years younger. And then the next instant thought, ugh, I used to run the 5K and now I'm walking? I'm only 50, I should be able to run it still. Integrative nutrition is based on the principle of bioindividuality, that we're all unique and therefore what is right for someone else whether it's diet, career, relationship, physical activity, etc., may not be right for you. And I like to add a corollary for my clients. What's right for you right now may not be what was right for you in your 20s, 30s, and even 40s. 
We get very invested in particular diet and lifestyle choices, and we cling to them fiercely, even when they no longer serve us very well. Releasing those choices and experimenting with new ones are often the key to improving our health. So used to is just as dangerous as should, because it's most often pointing out that compared to our younger self, we're coming up lacking. As a simple exercise to track how often I should and I used to cross your lips or even your mind in a day, how often are they immediately followed by a sense of heaviness, dissatisfaction, or even despair? An equally simple adjustment to make is to say or think, I choose to, in place of those phrases. It may seem a bit ridiculous, and there's actually evidence that we can change our mindset just by changing our words. In this case, if you cannot wholeheartedly say, I choose to, you give yourself permission to choose otherwise, to choose what's right for you right now, rather than what someone else, including your younger self, thinks is right for you. And having a choice feels significantly lighter. I'm certainly not an expert on physical fitness, and I've made my own fitness journey from total non-athlete, <laughs> let's just say it's a good thing that phys ed was pass-fail at my school, <laughs> to being very fit at 55. I went from being a complete non-exerciser to being someone who moves her body seven days a week. And if you want to achieve that, get a dog. Kermit is my personal trainer and accountability buddy, and I just know with him around, I'm going to be moving every day. Now, not exercising is unthinkable. I'm much healthier and happier, and those around me benefit from that vitality. And they also know to stay out of my way if I haven't moved yet. What works for me may not work for you, but there are some secrets to making physical activity, and notice I didn't say exercise, part of your daily, and yes, I really did say daily, life. I want you to think about the who, what, or how, when, where, and why of moving your body. So who? Do you like group fitness activities? Do you like having one or two workout buddies? Or do you prefer to work out alone or with just one physical trainer? Group activities are great if you like to mix activity with socializing. Having one or two people to move with you adds an element of support and accountability if you lack that self-discipline. Those who move alone really need to have a level of self-discipline and accountability that many people lack. The what and how. Find an activity you love. If you hate spinning, don't force yourself to do it just because everyone does it. Committing to something you dislike is a surefire way to make it feel like an obligation rather than a joy. Think about what you loved as a child, running, dancing, riding a bike, and add that back to your physical activity or try something completely new. Mixing it up is often the way to go because it keeps boredom at bay. When? Find a time that works for you. Whether this means committing to a consistent 
time slot that you know is always available, or just going week by week, put the activity on your calendar as a commitment and honor it as if it were a meeting with your boss, (laughs) like something that cannot be canceled or postponed. If you're training intensively, make sure to add in some days of rest. If you're just getting your body moving in a low-key way, try to fit something in daily. Where? Find a place that works for you. Um, This is sort of a more difficult topic in this time of coronavirus because a lot of gyms are not open. Um, But I think most most areas have gyms that are opening up. And, um, you know, find a place that works for you. Do you love the gym or hate it? Do you have a space at home or not? Is outdoors an option year round? If you need to go to the gym to work out and it's open during the pandemic, make it a gym that's convenient. Either close to home or to work is best because that way you don't need to go out of your way to get there. And find a gym that works for you. It should be clean and safe and offer your desired workout activities. If you have even a small amount of space at home, there are great exercise routines that include cardio, strength, flexibility, and balance. And they're available online and on DVDs, and they don't require a lot of space in which to move around. And finally, the big question, the big why. Here are some reasons that don't cut it. (laughs) My doctor told me to. I want to fit into a smaller size. I need to be healthier. Why aren't these good reasons? Because they're external. They're based on measuring ourselves by standards set by the doctor, by society, by culture, by media, by the fashion industry, by our spouse, our family, our friends. Even I want to be healthy is not a good enough answer to the question of why, because health is not a goal in and of itself. It's a means to an end. So what's your real goal? What's your why? I want to be able to play with my kids, but why? I want to live to be 100, but why? I want to see my grandchildren graduate from college, but why? I want to run a marathon, but why? Do you see how none of these is actually a good answer? Dig deeper peel back the layers, and keep asking why until you get there. How do you know you've arrived at the real why? As a health coach, I often tell my clients, your why should make you cry. That sounds a bit brutal, but if you can dig that deep, if you can find the real reason you want to be healthy, then developing the lifestyle and food choices to get you there becomes much easier. Looking for your own why to exercise, or for that matter, to develop any habit you know is healthy. I'll give you a hint. Most people discover that in the end, the reason seems selfish, which is why we don't go there very often. So for example, because playing with my kids is what brings me the most joy, and if I can't play with them, I'm sad. That's a good why. Because my goal is to make a difference in the world through my work. And the longer I have here, the more change I can create. Great. Good answer. 
Because one of my biggest regrets is that my grandparents died too young, and I would not want my grandchildren to feel that way. Because I've always seen myself as a quitter, and running a marathon would help me change that perception of myself and change my tendency to give up in other areas of my life. Excellent. Can you see how all of those feel a little bit selfish? Because they are self-centered. They are about the self. And they're the reasons, they're the whys that will actually get you motivated. If you can keep that deep goal in front of you, taking small daily steps to reach it suddenly becomes a no-brainer. And when those small daily steps become habits, you're really on your way to reaching your goals. By the way, that client, the one who said, it's not happening, (laughs) she now goes to the gym three to five days a week. This week, I challenge you to get physically active and check back in to let me know how you feel after moving your body for more than a week. If you'd like to talk more about physical activity and your primary foods in general, schedule a free your story session and let's talk about that. The link is in the show notes. And don't forget to apply for my health coaching program launching in mid-October. The application deadline has been extended to October 16th, 2020. Thanks for listening. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. And if you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com.